Broadcasting live across the great state of Montana, this is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. All right, let me see if I can get to, through this full thread here in the show opener. So, yeah, this case out of, out of Glasgow, Montana, a family basically had their daughter taken by CPS and then put into a facility down in Wyoming where they started socially transitioning the daughter uh, as a boy. Uh, now that uh, they'll claim that that they're honoring the child's wishes, but what about the parents' uh, rights here? And what about the long-term health and welfare of the child? That's that's the big question here. Uh, you know, even putting aside, you know, why was the child removed in the first place? Were they right to do that? Let's even put that aside for the moment. They have a child in a facility getting care. Why would they treat a girl as a boy? How is that helpful helpful for the long-term health and mental well-being of that child, right? That's that's the other big question here. Anyway, Governor uh, Greg Gianforte taken some fire uh, from conservatives on Twitter over the past 24 hours. Libs of TikTok highlighting this story. Christopher Rufo with the Manhattan Institute highlighting this story saying, wait a minute, why would this happen in a place like Montana? I mean, we get it in California, but in Montana? That's the questions being raised. All right, so here, Governor Greg Gianforte said this. Uh, let's see, this, he, this just came out yesterday afternoon via Twitter. To give them their best shot at reaching their full potential, children deserve to grow up in happy, healthy homes with loving families. Sadly, this ideal is not always realized. Unfortunately, our society finds children whose life, health, and well-being are at serious risk from abuse and neglect, and only as a last resort should they be removed from their home. Upon hearing recent allegations related to a child welfare case, I asked Lieutenant Governor Kristen Juris, an experienced attorney, constitutional conservative, mother and grandmother, to review it. Consulting with the director of DPHHS and personally examining case documents, Lieutenant Governor Juris has concluded that DPHHS and the court have followed state policy and law in their handling of this tragic case. I have asked the lieutenant governor to continue monitoring the case as it progresses. Further, Senate Bill 99, which I signed into law in April 2023, prohibits medical and surgical treatments to treat minors with gender dysphoria and also prohibits the use of taxpayer resources for such treatments. Our administration will continue to advance policies that strengthen our families and protect Montana kids, like what we have done to promote adoption and to ban permanent, invasive, life-altering medical procedures on children like puberty blockers, hormonal treatments, and sex reassignment surgeries. So that that was the full thread, uh, kind of a rare full thread that, that you'll see out of the governor uh, via Twitter. Oftentimes, he'll put statements out. He'll... You, uh, he'll have a tweet uh, on this topic or that topic linking to a press conference or other information, but this was a full thread. So obviously the governor uh, felt uh, very clearly that he needed to and wanted to respond uh, to to uh, the, the, the criticism that is, is boiling up on the national level on this case. But again, we, we interviewed uh, the mom. Uh, nearly two weeks ago, I think actually, I think, it, well, wait a minute. No, it would have been last Monday. Yeah, it was last Monday. That's when we interviewed the mom. And that full story is on our Montana Talks website. Uh, if you missed it. Here is your Montana news. Please be on the lookout for a missing 12 year old girl from the Sydney area. Luna Marie Delisle is large for her age, five feet, 10 inches tall, 160 pounds, and looks more 16 years old. 
She has light brown hair at shoulder length and distinctive hazel eyes. Color 8 reports Luna was last seen on foot at 9 Sunday morning wearing a pink Under Armour sweatshirt, boot-cut jeans, and gray sneakers. To further confirm her identity, Luna wears a nose ring, has a scar on her right ankle, and if her feet are bare, cigar burns will be visible. If you discover Luna DeWile, please call 911 or the Sydney Police at 406-433-2210. That's 406-433-2210. That's the Montana News Minute. I'm Travis Lee. Here's a look at your real weather for Billings and Bozeman. With sunny skies across the area for today. High temperatures will range from around 52 in Bozeman to the mid-60s in the Billings area. For tonight, we can expect clear to partly cloudy skies, lower to middle 30s, and then on Wednesday, more sunshine and more unseasonable warmth with highs from around 53 in Bozeman to 62 in the Billings area. This is weatherology meteorologist Paul Trombley. Taking your calls live, 406-294-0970. This is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. All right, let's see. Lots uh, to get to here this morning. What do you want to talk about? Give us a ring, 406-294-0970, or you can message us on our Montana Talks app. Uh, let's see. I didn't even scan. Okay, yeah, we got the 7 o'clock hour fully wide open for you for your phone calls and more. And then John Jackson, the Joker from Twitter, joining us in the 8 o'clock hour of the show, taking your phone calls as well in the in the 8 o'clock hour. But uh, it's wide open for you right now uh, if you got something you want to talk about. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, we were talking about this uh, this story about the family that had their daughter taken from them by cps and now they're socially transitioning uh the girl uh, and treating the little girl uh as if she's a little boy to me yeah this two key things that i think this story raises is is one thankfully we have senate bill 99 in place that that protects and prevents any sort of medical transitioning in terms of uh, in terms of hormonal treatments or having body parts removed. Uh, although I I wonder, I mean, this whole chest binders deal, if they're putting chest binders on this little girl, that can have uh, lead to medical complications as well. So I, I, I feel like that is something that uh, that could be barred under state law right now. But it raises two things. One is that apparently we need more protections on the books. Uh, it, to respect uh, a parents uh, and, and also to to protect these kids. If the whole if your argument for removing the child from the home is is to protect the kid, well, treating a little girl as if she's a little boy, given the challenges that she's going through right now, could lead to lifelong harm and mental harm for this child. So so doing that could actually be causing harm to this child. So maybe we need more protection. Well, not maybe. We need more protections in place on that front as well. We don't need these kids held hostage by by these uh, LGBTQ activists trying to push this agenda and, and, and further this, for one. Two, we've got a massive problem 
in, in our state DPHHS that, that we've had for years, over a decade. Two, two things. One, remember the grandparents group in Great Falls? There was the grandparents group in Great Falls. And and this was a group of grandparents who were saying, okay, hey, if you had to remove the kids from their parents' home, well, why wouldn't you place them with us, the grandparents? Why wouldn't you keep the kids with families? And, and their argument is that is that state CPS has been too aggressive about removing kids from homes. And we've got some of the worst numbers in the region when it comes to, to child removals. Now, there's a couple factors at play. Uh, we, we see a lot of these challenges in our reservation communities, especially given the prevalence of, of meth and fentanyl and drugs and, and the challenges that causes in so many families. So that so because because of those numbers being at elevated levels in Montana compared to neighboring states, that's why we have an increased level of, of child removals from homes as well. Uh, but is there something to what these grandparents say, which they're that, that they are too quick to remove kids from homes? And even if they remove them from the parents, why don't they allow them to be placed with other family members and grandparents? That was the criticism of these these grandparents groups. And then, two, I, I do think I think, you know, I think the efforts of Representative Jennifer Carlson out of Manhattan, Montana, I think we we need to once again jumpstart these discussions about how we reform DPHHS. So Governor Greg Gianforte takes over as governor in 2020. He has one guy that he gets to appoint at DPHHS. That's the director of DPHHS. I've said this before about cabinet members in the state government. Whoa, well, good for you. You got to be a cabinet member. You got to be the, the head of an, of an agency. How are you truly the boss of an organization if you can't go in and hire and fire the people that you want to hire and fire? How are you truly able to make a mark and make your difference if you can't bring a team on board to help you implement that change? Uh, but that's why it takes the legislature in concert with the governor and these directors to, to try to force that change, right? But I do think what, what Jennifer Carlson is, she has has maintained, and, and Jennifer, if you're listening, please call in to, to, to get me on track if I if – I, if I get this wrong in any way, but as I recall, what she has said is that she agrees with groups like these parent, these grandparents groups and others that says the state is too aggressive in removing kids from homes and not at least allowing them to stay with family members. And so that's why we need reform. That's why we need reform to the system. And she had legislation to do just that. It didn't get across the finish line in the last legislative sessions, but with a renewed focus and in concert with the governor's office, maybe that's something that needs to happen in the next legislative session. Um, but but we've also seen, you know, where the state CPS in past years, you know, and maybe it's because of, uh, you know, ethnic considerations. But where over here, they're too quick maybe to remove kids from homes. But then over here, they're too quick to put kid to put kids back in the homes. And I think that that's a concern as well, which is, you know, they don't want to be too quick to put a kid back into a dangerous situation. Right. Remember, there was a, a, a little child. Who got? Who basically got beat to death? I think this was a great fall story. Got beat to death and murdered by uh, one of the drug addict parents, and they placed him back into that home. And so it's like, okay, so the grandparents over here uh, don't get the placement in their homes, but the drug addict over here, again, possibly due to ethnic considerations, got the state placed the kid back in the home. The kid gets gets beat up and murdered by the drug addict parent, right? So clearly, I think the what this big picture story uh, here tells us is that we have got to undertake massive reform of our Department of Public Health and Human Services. It is a massive bureaucratic behemoth, and there are still all sorts of snakes in that den of bureaucracy. 
there's some great folks that work in in, in CPS. Uh, I, I know it. I've, I've met some of them personally. But but the DPHS broader bureaucracy is in massive need of reform, and that is a that's a big nut to crack. All right, quick break. Phone lines are open for you. Hey, well, I was down at the SHOT Show in Las Vegas. We got some big news in the U.S. Senate race here in Montana. First, there's new polling data out with Navy SEAL veteran Tim Sheehy in a big lead in a potential GOP primary. The other big news is there is now clearly very direct links. The Democrats and the shady Democrat groups are the ones funding attack ads against Navy SEAL Tim Sheehy to face him in the fall. Pretty obvious John Tester is scared. Go to MontanaTalks.com. This is where Montana talks at with Lane Nordland. This week, I'm broadcasting from Orlando, Florida at the Cattle Industry Convention and NCBA trade show. At the conclusion of this year's event, Wyoming rancher Mark Isley will become president of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, and he says he's humbled to represent the nation's cattle industry. It, it's humbling, and there is weight on the shoulders to help producers. I know because I was one of those producers who needed help, and between my local, my state, and the national organization, they pulled us through, made us better for it. I need to pay that debt forward. Top issues being addressed this week by cattlemen and women creating the NCBA grassroots policy book include farm bill priorities, issues like reforming the Endangered Species Act, opposition to the BLM's conservation rule, electronic logging devices, traceability guidelines, and of course, clear product of the USA labeling on beef. NCBA absolutely is the best voice in D.C. We're credible, we're relied upon, we provide numbers and science, we try to stay away from the emotional side of those issues. This is all grassroots, this is all driven from the bottom up. Producers have a say in our policies. Our job is to carry those policies forward and make them useful for our people. Our voice in Washington and their strength in numbers, which is why membership is important, why membership should go forward and try to grow, is because it unveils those opportunities to our producers. From Orlando, I'm Lane Nordblund. Serving the great state of Montana, from the peaks of the Beartooths to the banks of the Clark Fork River, this is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. All right, I whipped together a quick little montage for you. Thanks to our producer, Travis Lee. We've got several sound bites. Uh, don't, don't. Man, what, what is he talking to a, a preschool kid? Don't, no, don't, no, no. He was talking to Putin about Ukraine. And then Kamala Harris was talking about Iran. Don't, don't. Well, apparently saying don't doesn't work. Apparently you gotta have a little more strength in not only your words, but also in your actions. Uh, before I get to this montage that I threw together first, let's get to the, uh, to the tragic news. Uh, the three American soldiers uh, who gave their lives for you, who gave their lives for us in Jordan, who, who died serving this country, have now been identified. Bill Malusian, 
uh, has the report here uh, from Fox News uh, Radio, uh, uh, along with more on that story. American forces in the Middle East had been attacked at least 165 times by these Iranian-backed militias. That's just since October 7th. And now that Americans have been killed, the pressure is really ramping up on President Biden to hit back hard and potentially even on Iranian soil. Three American soldiers died on Sunday after a remote outpost in Jordan called Tower 22 was targeted by a suicide drone launched by Iranian-backed militants. Dozens of other Americans were injured in the attack, which happened while American service members were sleeping. The three fallen soldiers have now been ID'd as Army Reserve soldiers out of Fort Moore, Georgia. Sergeant William Rivers, Specialist Kennedy Sanders, and Specialist Brianna Moffitt. All right, now uh, let's see before we we talk about you know big picture uh, what's going on on the failures of American policy front. Uh, first, let's let's get reaction here. Uh, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, who was the CIA director and then Secretary of State under President Trump, he was on with Laura Ingram last night, uh, talking about just the first off the the heartbreak of these losses, and and really those how many attacks did Bill Malusian just report there? Oh, it's a it's a heartbreak. We lose those seals. Now we lose these three. There are apparently some horrific injuries uh, of our troops who were sleeping uh, when this attack took place. We all remember what happened in 1983 in Lebanon uh, with 242 Marines, I believe, who died in that attack. Uh, but Secretary Pompeo, we expect more from the Secretary of Defense after after a weekend like this. This, I mean, it's it's a heartbreak. Laura, my, my wife Susan will tell you that every morning when I would wake up, when I was the CIA director, Secretary of State, I was thinking about were my my folks at my embassy safe, were my guys on the ground at the CIA safe. This was a central focus of what we did. It's one of the reasons we wanted to ensure we had deterrence. We did pretty damn good work for four years, and now we've lost that very deterrence that we had built up on, in the Trump administration. And I, I fear that we're not at the end of this. We are simply just at the beginning. So what happened? Uh, what what happened? You know, it, with regard to base defenses in particular. Uh, let's see. Jennifer Griffin is the chief Pentagon correspondent for Fox News and for Fox News Radio. Let me. See. Yeah, here's uh, here's the report from from Jennifer Griffin. The defensive measures taken at other bases have been successful in shooting down drones in the past. And what I can tell you is that it appears to have been a combination of human error and technical error. There was a U.S. drone returning to the American base uh, Tower 22 on the Jordanian border at around the same time as this Iran. Iranian drone, and it was a case of mistaken identity, it seems, that the Iranian drone was allowed into that airspace, and then it was also flying quite low, we're told, and it was disguised by the fact that a U.S. drone was expected to return at about the same time. So three more American, uh, three American troops killed in this attack by Iran. Iranian proxies, whatever we want to call it, Iran is responsible. So apparently just simply saying, don't is not enough uh here's here's just a a, a montage we put together uh, uh, briefly with with quotes from uh, joe biden kamala harris and kjp as ukraine succeeds on the battlefield vladimir putin is becoming embarrassed and pushed into a corner and i wonder mr president what you would say to him if he is considering using chemical or tactical nuclear weapons don't don't, don't. What's the message to Iran? Don't. As President Biden said, just don't. Exactly. One word. 
Please stay forward. Uh, obviously, our deepest condolences uh, go out and our heartfelt condolences go out to the families uh, who lost uh, three, three brave, uh, three brave, uh, three brave, of, uh, three folks who are who are military folks, who are brave, who are always fighting, who are fighting on behalf and of uh, this administration, of the American people, obviously more so, more importantly. Uh, we lost those souls, as the president said yesterday when he was in South Carolina. Our hearts go out to their families. The world has changed because of what Trump has done. And the American people, including independents and some Republicans, know how bad he is, know how much he's misrepresented, know how he's getting close to getting us in a war. I said, as the walls close in on this man, I'm worried he's going to get us to war in Iran. Unfortunately, I may have been right. Oh, yeah, Donald Trump's going to get us into war. Donald Trump was going to get us into World War III. What have you done, Joe? Fox News. I'm Chris Foster. Three soldiers killed in a drone strike in Jordan Sunday were all Army reservists from Georgia. Specialist Kennedy Sanders was 24 years old. Her father, Sean, tells Fox she was the life of the party. She enjoyed life. Um, she was very competitive. Um, she was goal-oriented, and she loved the service. She loved serving our country. President Biden's considering options for a military response. Elon Musk announces the first human brain implant by his company Neuralink that he says could someday allow devices to be controlled just by thinking. Musk tweeted that the patient who received the implant Sunday is recovering well, and that initial results show promising neuron spike detection, suggesting the Neuralink device is detecting signals from individual neurons inside the brain. Fox's Lillian Wu, the FDA-approved human clinical trials last May. America's listening to Fox News. All right, we got the phone lines open for you, 406-294-0970. Or you can message us on our Montana Talks app, but always better to, to hear you in your voice. Messages are great. I know especially if you're you're running kids around, you're running back and forth from the gym or, or driving into work or you name it. So I know sometimes just uh, pulling over and sending a quick message is is best, and that's great. We, we love getting your messages. Uh, but uh, but even better to hear your phone calls, 294-0970. Uh, let's see, Tater and Forsyth, sorry we're late getting to this one. Uh, Tater and Forsyth sent us this message back in the 6 o'clock hour of the show. I saw an ad for Tester this morning, and he's at it again. Claiming to provide funding for police for protective equipment to protect themselves against illegal aliens and the drugs that are coming into Montana. Like you said, create the illness and provide the cure. Tater, thanks for sending the message. I have not seen nor heard that ad myself. But yeah, man, look at that from the, the fake phony flip flop flat top. I'm giving protective gear to police to protect them from the illegal aliens. The illegal aliens that John Tester is putting in your backyard. Literally, I mean, seriously, John Tester. Hey, I'm going to allow all these illegal aliens to go into Montana. And then when they start attacking the people and start attacking the police, then I'll come in and pretend to be the savior. Hey, I got you some protective equipment. Good night, man. No shame whatsoever. Uh, Tater, thanks for that message. Let's see. Uh, Tim and Savage. Ronald Reagan, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Brandon, don't. Don't. Uh, Tim and Savage, thanks for that message. Let's see. Let's go to Gary in Billings. Gary, what's on your mind? Yeah, good morning, Darren. Um, morning. The question was, if Rosendale was going to run for the Senate, and everybody's kind of wondering what's going on. Yesterday, I received in the mail, 
his brochure, about four pages, kind of representing all the things he accomplished. It's kind of a 2023 year in review. So it, it's really very interesting, uh, all the things that Matt has accomplished. But in reading the, across the line, of course, he could change his mind, but it sounds like more that he wants to help the people in, in where is that? So, uh, so is this what like a, one of the uh, the congressional mailers that they that they send out uh, as members of Congress, or was this a campaign mailer? Well, it's actually a campaign mailer that he put together, but a lot of pictures and yeah. And, and um, I'll bet so, if you look on um, the back side of it, it could be a taxpayer funded one. But that's that man. Hey, that's you know you get the the seat, you can do that. Um, well, well, stand by, because uh, let's see, we got to take a quick break here. Stand by, Gary. Uh, stand by, Gary, because, yeah, I want to see what stood out to you. Uh, okay. Because that's one of the concerns the American people have is that, you know, there's been a lot of talking in Congress. But what has actually gotten across the finish line, right? So, uh, yeah, be interested to see what, what stood out to you. Stand by, Gary. We'll come back to you. Phone lines are open. This is the Montana Economic Minute. Societies require cooperation, but they also require laws. We cooperate when we drive on the right-hand side of the road on the highway. If we didn't, of course, we'd be breaking the law at the very least. The nature of the threat of higher temperatures from carbon emissions is global, and will take cooperation between all countries to address it. And what if a country decides to drive on the wrong side of the road by continuing to emit carbon? Carbon emissions are a textbook example of the free rider problem. If everyone else complies and you don't, you enjoy the benefits without incurring the cost. Such situations are not unusual, and the systems of international law and treaties have been crafted to try to manage them. Except that the process of agreeing on emissions has largely bypassed that structure. The high visibility meetings between bureaucrats and politicians, the UN reports, and the various announcements of goals. None of them rise to the level of treaties with buy-in by the political process. I'm Patrick Bucky. Brought to you by the University of Montana Bureau of Business and Economic Research. Saving you money, I'm Hillary Barsky. Refurbished products are a good way to save money on big purchases. They are items that have been restored as though they were brand new, but many people worry about the quality. However, if they're purchased from reputable companies, they can be just as good as brand new items. Case in point, Apple. The tech giant routinely offers refurbished goods for hundreds of dollars less than their brand new counterparts. The company thoroughly cleans and inspects its products. An iPhone will always come with a new battery and outer shell. Apple also includes all original accessories and repackages the products in new boxes. Unfortunately, not all refurbished devices are treated the same. You must research the seller before buying the products. Look for descriptions like manufacturer refurbished and read reviews on multiple sites. Find out if there's a return policy and look for a warranty. And if there's not, don't buy it. Make sure the refurbisher offers at least a one-year hardware warranty. Saving you money, Hillary Barsky, Fox News. Serving the great state of Montana. From the peaks of the Beartooths to the banks of the Clark Fork River. This is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. All right, so I want to go back to Gary and Billings. First off, I've, this is this is very interesting because this, this could be significant what Gary is telling us about here. Uh, not what is included in the brochure, but the fact that the brochure was sent out itself. 
So I uh, I cross-posted a story from our friend Peter Christian with KGVO Radio in Missoula. Peter Christian, it's, uh, it's an update. Hey, here's all the people. Here's the running list of people running for the House, people running for the Senate, people running for this, running for that. Uh, there were some names that were not on the list, so I I kind of thought about ah maybe I'll wait to post that until all the names are on the but it's like uh, yeah yeah but anyway at at the very top of this story Peter Christian says he has a source a reliable source that is telling him that Congressman Rosendale is going to jump into the U.S. Senate race later this week uh, and so anyway. Now, I'm, I'm assuming that what that source is basing their information off of is Steve Bannon, uh, who's, and Bannon's got a great, uh, great podcast, by the way, his War Room podcast. It's a, it's a great podcast. But Steve Bannon, you know, uh, he, he was a, a big fan of, of, and was kind of the main proponent of everything that, uh, that Gates and, and crew were doing to, to take out and to topple former Speaker of the House, uh, Kevin McCarthy. And so, so anyway, so Bannon, though, he said apparently last week we were down at the SHOT Show in Las Vegas catching up with Donald Trump Jr. and, and, and many more. But apparently last week Steve Bannon said that, that later this week they're going to have a special announcement with Congressman Rosendale. So the fact that, uh, that Gary, you got this four-page glossy photo, pretty mailer in the mail – that tells me that, hey, maybe that is likely to happen. Maybe he is going to announce later this week because uh, it would seem to me that they that they would have timed the release of this four-page glossy mailer uh, as preparation of the environment for the announcement that they're trying to make later this week, much like they, they had the, uh, uh, the, the events uh, across the state with Matt Gates last weekend. Gary, before I get your take on what stood out to you as the main accomplishments in this piece – can you look at the back page, at the bottom of the back page or the top of the back page? Does it say, like, paid for by blank, blank, blank campaign, or does it have, like, a House of Representatives mailing address on it? The only thing I see, Aaron, is read the full op on Fox News. It's kind of shows a block of, I mean, you're a lot better on computers than I am, but, but it's... Uh, it's kind of funny that uh, he is not saying he's running for the Senate in this for sure. So I, I, I hope he realizes that if he jumps into race against him, then you split the vote and you put John Tester right back in there. So that's kind of what I uh, hope he was trying to show people of all the things in this for sure that he had done, which he's done a lot, but it's a dangerous thing to split the vote. Interesting. So, okay, so this is interesting. So so you read this four-page mailer, and you're very happy with the work Congressman Rosendale is doing in the House. Uh, And the fact that this mailer did not mention the U.S. Senate, you are hopeful that that's a sign that Rosendale does not run for the Senate and that he stays in the House. Am Am I tracking you right there, Gary? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, when you think about money uh, to run now at this late, and there's a lot of uh, support for Tim, except for these negative ads, you know, that are coming out of state. But you would have thought in this page, these four things, that he would have said, I'm running for Senate at the same time he 
puts this out. It does not say that. Yeah. So well, but and that could be though that that uh, a he doesn't want to announce it yet, or b if it's a taxpayer funded mailer, you're not allowed to technically campaign. You're not allowed to talk about a you know about running for office. You're just supposed to use it as a as an official communication platform for what you're officially doing in office. So so if it's a taxpayer funded mailer, then then yeah, he couldn't reference running for the house nor the senate. So well, that's interesting. Well, Gary, thanks for calling in. You know. Gary just uh, Gary is is very similar to a lot of uh, people that I've talked with in calls that we got in yesterday. Where there's people out there, they are they are some of the biggest backers. It, Grandpa Lou yesterday thought it was very interesting. So if the the Matt Gates events over the weekend in Joliet, Bozeman, Helena, and elsewhere were designed to to try to boost uh, a run for the Senate by by Matt Rosendale once again. So your assumption would be that, well, anybody who's going to these events, they want Matt Rosendale to run for the Senate. They want him to, to not run for the House of Representatives, and, and, and they want him to run for the Senate. Grandpa Lou called in yesterday. He said, man, I went to the events. These were great. He's, he's a big fan of what Matt Rosendale and Matt Gates are doing. And then he said, but I really hope Matt Rosendale stays in the House and stays in the fight there. And, and then he also responded to a previous caller who who uh, tried to take a shot at Navy SEAL veteran Tim Sheehy, <laughs> and uh, that was at the end of the nine o'clock hour. If you missed it, we had some fun. But uh, but you know, Gary also made a really good point, which is you know, hey, if you aren't able to raise the money to mount a war effort, I mean, you literally want to step into you want you want to you want to fight a war. Without any beans, without any bullets, without any firepower, without any guns, without any uh, any uh, any air power. Yesterday, there there was a, a lady that called in and she said she said, well, she's skeptical of Tim Sheehy because he's got all these big donors that are supporting his campaign. And she's correct that yeah, some of the more squishy moderate uh, Republicans are backing Tim Sheehy, uh, but you kind of need them in November too. Just like you're going to need independents and some crossover Democrats in November, too, if you're going to want to win a major statewide race like the United States Senate. Now, if you're just running for the eastern Montana House seat, yeah, you don't need it because whoever wins the primary in June is going to get elected. It's such a safe Republican seat. It's so easy for a Republican to win that seat that, yeah, OK, whatever, do whatever you want. But to take out the number one target in the United States Senate in 2024 to win back this country, it's going to take the squishy moderates. It's going to take independents. It's going to take disaffected Democrats. And it's also going to take the big conservative donors that Tim Sheehy also has backing him. And so my question back to the, to the lady who called in yesterday was like, OK, so he's got support from conservative donors and then yeah even some of the more moderate uh republican donors but if you don't have either of those how are you going to defeat liberal senator john tester right let it's folks i'm just trying to inject a dose of reality in here i'm sorry if i'm telling you some if i'm telling some of you stuff that you don't want to hear but go but if, if you just want to go have somebody Rah, rah, hey, 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 get on the radio and funny ha-ha story here, funny ha-ha story there. And 
and and tell you things that you want to hear instead of things that that maybe some of us need to hear. Sometimes I got to hear things that I need to hear that maybe I don't like to hear, and that's fine. That's why we have the phone lines open for you. But I'm telling you, you have got to get serious. If you're just now getting serious about the U.S. Senate race in Montana, too late. You are too late. John Tester has been amassing millions. And the reason he is using the millions of dollars and the Democrats are using millions of dollars to attack Navy SEAL Tim Sheehy is because John Tester is scared to death. Why do you think the Democrats are funding ads backing Matt Rosendale right now? Do you think it's because they're friends of his? Do you think it's because... Because they're afraid that Matt Rosendale is going to defeat John Tester. If they're buttering you up, if the liberal media is buttering you up, I saw his campaign share a Daily Montanan story. You know what the Daily Montanan is? It's a liberal blog produced by the disgraced former editor of the Billings Gazette, who is too liberal for the Billings Gazette. If that guy's outlet is propping you up and buttering you up, it's because they want to slice you up for dinner. It's not because they're trying to help you. Or Republicans take back the Senate in 2024. Let's go to Mike in Billings next up on the phone lines. Mike, great to hear from you. Morning, Aaron. Morning. Morning. Um, I'm calling. Uh, I'm a grandpa and just got my granddaughter off at uh, Will James uh, Middle School. She's in eighth grade and we were talking about school and her civics class or history class. I'm not quite sure which one it is and asked her what she was working on, and their assignment is to pick one of the amendments and uh, remove it and replace it with another amendment. And uh, she's removing the Second Amendment and replacing it with an amendment to only allow law enforcement, military, first responders to carry uh, firearms. Oh, man. Hold that thought, Mike. Sounds like she needs some more time with with Grandpa. <laughs> hold that thought. Hold that thought because I, uh, I, I've got to hit this hard break here, but I want to hear more from you. And, uh, hey, maybe you can take a photograph of the assignment. I don't know, but uh, Mike, stand by. We'll get to you right after uh, this uh, Tommy Lahren commentary and more. Fox News commentary. A bipartisan Florida bill seeks to ban social media for kids under 16. I'm Tommy Lahren. More next. New from the Fox News Podcast Network. I'm Emily Campagno, and this is the Fox True Crime Podcast. It had nothing to do with her disappearance. I sit down with the people who lived the nightmares. I was in shock. I was just devastated. The investigators who tirelessly worked on the case. I really hope that we can catch this guy. Bringing you closer to the story than you ever thought possible. Listen and follow now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. These are the stories that keep you up at night. We all know social media is toxic, addictive, and damaging, especially for young people. But does the government have a right or a duty to step in? Well, the state of Florida is working to do just that. A bipartisan bill out of the Sunshine State seeks to ban all social media for minors under 16 years old, citing it as a public health threat and akin to digital fentanyl. Opponents of the plan say it's a complete government overreach and may even violate the First Amendment constitutional rights of those under 16. Now, look, I agree that social media is problematic and can have disaster and even deadly impacts on the mental health and wellness of young people. But when it comes to a government ban, I'm on the fence. I tend to believe parents and guardians should be the ones to enforce social media restrictions, not big brother government. Perhaps the solution is more parenting and not more of the nanny state. I'm Tommy Lahren, and you can watch my show, Tommy Lahren is Fearless at Outkick.com. I'm Chad Pergram with the Speaker's Lobby, 8008. 
That's how many threats the U.S. Capitol Police investigated against members of Congress last year. The Capitol Police just released those figures. It's a marked increase over how many cases the department investigated in 2022, but well below the 9,600 cases the Capitol Police investigated in 2021. That's the same year as the Capitol riot. Contrast that with more than 5,200 cases the police investigated in 2018. The head of the Capitol Police's intelligence unit says to expect a very busy year with the upcoming political season. In August last year, Capitol Police announced new efforts to shore up its recruitment of agents and investigators to protect members of Congress amid a wave of threats. Last year, authorities arrested a man who they accuse of leaving anti-Semitic profanity-laced voicemails at the office of Democratic Nevada Senator Jackie Rosen. GOP Iowa Representative Marionette Miller-Meeks says she got death threats for not supporting Ohio Congressman Jim Jordan for speaker last fall. With the speaker's lobby... Brought to you from the Montana Hot Spring Spas and Saunas Live Well, Feel Better Studio. Broadcasting live across the great state of Montana, this is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. All right, let's go back to Mike in Billings. So, Mike, you said you dropped your uh, your granddaughter off at school uh, this morning, and she's got an assignment uh, dealing with the Constitution, with the um, uh, Bill of Rights, the amendments to the Constitution. Was was she given this assignment to remove the, the Second Amendment and, and change it with something else, or is that just what she chose? I think I think that's what she chose. I think the students uh, picked their own amendment uh, to to remove, and then they pick a, an amendment to replace it with. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I guess it'd be one thing if the school was forcing this versus like uh, the, the kid choosing right. to do it. But what what's kind of your takeaway? What 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 prompted you to call? Well, I was I was just shocked when she told me about it, and I said, you know. Uh, 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 bad guys are going to find a way, whether they use a knife, a bomb, or fly an airplane into tall buildings. They're going to find a way uh, to uh, hurt people and do damage. And she just kind of looked at me and shrugged her shoulders because she, she just couldn't comprehend that, I guess. Uh, but uh, I, I, I guess my question, or the, the bigger picture is, why is our school curriculum even asking young minds, they're not mature enough to make these decisions, to remove amendments? Pick an amendment and remove it from the Constitution and replace it with something else. It's just... So it kind uh, of sounds like... That kind of critical thinking. It kind of sounds uh, like preparation of the environment where, hey, you know, the, the Democrats want to remove the Second Amendment. They want to remove all sorts of our uh, constitutional protections. They, they they already treat our Constitution like silly putties. So, so from your perspective, it sounds like by just raising that question... Uh, they're they're prepar- it's prep operational it's preparation of the environment for for the left to start stripping away these constitutional rights. Right, right. Interesting. Yeah, these kids come out of school thinking it's okay to remove amendments that just it, with a few minutes and a piece of paper or, or an iPad. I guess they don't use paper and pen anymore, but uh, they remove an amendment from the Constitution. Uh, anyway, it just. Why would why would you get an assignment like that? Yeah, to remove an amendment. 
The Disney family in Libby just sent me a message. I'd write a paper on how near perfect our Constitution is, and no amendments need to be replaced. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they need, to, they need to be teaching about the perfection of our Constitution uh, rather than there must be something wrong with it. We need to remove uh, an amendment. Well, you know, the, what, I, what I love about this, about this call, Mike, is you're having these conversations. You're, you're in the car with your granddaughter, and... And and you're having these because they're going to hear about all sorts of crazy stuff, not just removing the constitutional amendments. They're going to hear about removing body parts and identifying this way and identifying that way. And even if they don't hear about it in the school, they might hear about it on the playground or they're hearing about it through other cultural influences. I mean, the overwhelming impact of culture and how it can shape these young minds. The fact that there's a grandpa sitting right next to him and, and walking and talking them through this stuff, I just think is is cool. I had fun. I had fun doing that. Yeah, I had fun doing that same way when uh, when uh, David Noble was filling in during the holidays, and I just you know had some vacation time to burn, and I was going to burn it, baby. And uh, driving my daughter's, it was just so fun to just listen to talk radio for a little while instead of having to be yapping on the radio all the time. But and then just the casual conversations that you have. Uh, I just at church the other day, I ran into a, a great family and. He and his daughter listen to this show, and she actually enjoys it uh, while he's driving her to high school. I'm like, wow, you actually – because at first I apologized. I said, I'm sorry your dad makes you listen to this show. And she's like, no, I actually enjoy it. She likes hearing about these these big issues. So what, what an incredible yeah. honor it is that, that we get to sit alongside you. Well, well, great. Maybe there will be a generation of Aaron Flint babies here. <laughs> well, now i got to make a joke about John Jackson. I'll bet you there's a few John Jackson babies out there running around. He, no, I'm joking. I'm just joking with John Jackson. <laughs> Where are Honduras, Ecuador? Where are they running around at, John Jackson? I'm just giving him a hard time. You know, giving... No, i tell you what. Uh, yeah, but uh, how cool is it that uh, grandpas like you get to you know, have an influence, get to have an impact? And, and the cool part is, you know, you think about the impact of that short drive to school. Think about the impact of a long drive out to to go hunting or to go fishing and then the long conversations there during the hunt and during the fishing that's that's the best part isn't it the joker next hey dad your prescription will be ready in just a minute hey dad your laundry will be ready in just a minute dad your lunch will be ready in just a minute hey honey why don't you take a minute when you help care for a loved one you give them as much time as you can making sure they're safe and comfortable but it's just as important that you take some time for yourself. At AARP, we can help with information and useful tips on how you can maintain a healthy life balance, care for your own physical and mental well-being, and manage the challenges of caring for a loved one. Because the better care you take of yourself, the better care you can provide for your loved one. Thanks, Dad. Oh, you hear me? Thank you. You're there for them. We're here for you. Find free care guides to support you and your loved one at aarp.org caregiving. That's AARP.org slash caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Elect Council.